MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, October 19th, 2020. Today, the FBI confirms it's investigating the Rudy Giuliani caper to determine whether or not it's a foreign intelligence operation. Recordings of Ben Sass shit-talking on Trump totally emerged by accident. I'm sure that wasn't meant to be leaked at all by Ben Sass's office. Republicans and prosecutors are abandoning the SS Trump. An update in the BuzzFeed unredacted Mueller report case in front of Judge Reggie Walton. The latest election news, including issues printing ballots at a Trump-friendly supplier in Ohio. One man is arrested in a threat to kidnap and kill the Wichita mayor over his mask mandate. And Republican Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost, who submitted an amicus brief supporting Michael Flynn, is subpoenaed in a bribery scandal. I'm your host, A.G. So I am so excited because starting today, we're going to be joined uh, in the uh, headlines, the A Block and the Good News Block, Monday through Thursday by Dana Goldberg. Dana, hi. Allison, I am beyond excited to be more involved with the Beans uh, podcast. This is awesome. All of your listeners have been so welcoming and wonderful. If my voice is new to you, uh, hopefully you will get used to it. It'll be a welcome addition, and I'm stoked to do these two these two parts with you four days a week let's do yeah. this i think it is a total welcome addition everybody seems super stoked about it dg agdg i am like over the moon and like today we have this is a perfect show for you to start on because we have a massive fucking show we're doing the flip it blue interview with devin nunez as a, a opponent oh my god i'm so right? excited that's this race and people were like oh it's seat safe it's seat safe no seat is safe right now anyone just get out there, run against these people because this looks like it actually could flip. I would love to see him out of a job. Absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And think about it. Like it was uh, uh, like Nunez in 2016 won by like 35 points. And then he just in 2018 only won by five. So that's a massive swing. Yeah. And we can just a little bit more, right? Because Mitt Romney took it by 15 points. Um and Trump only took it to Trump took it by 10 Nunez lost by five so we're down to zero we're down we're like tied we're within the margin of error it's so flippable I can't wait to talk to Phil Arbio that's who's running against Devin I can't yeah I can't. Nunez <laughs> yeah I can't wait for you know like Tony Lauren to be like uh cows are illegal illegally voting and that's why uh Devin Nunez has lost his seat <laughs> we've got thousands of cows just giving, I can't, I can't with any of these people. <laughs> yes, how many cow ballots were harvested using illegal drop boxes? I don't know. But Fresno is one of the counties that has those GOP, like unauthorized drop boxes in it. People, you know, trying to change votes for, for Devin over there. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to talk to Phil. And we're also talking to, uh, we're having this in-depth, I have this in-depth, like, almost like 25 minute conversation about the foreign disinformation campaign against Hunter Biden brought to us by Rudy Giuliani and like 20 other people. You don't want to miss that. I'll be asking him why Rudy hasn't been indicted yet. Uh, he's got all kinds of new information too on the debunked emails found on whoever's laptop Giuliani got his information from. <laughs> and um, then of course we'll wrap it up with the good news. I can't wait. We've got a good sandwich here. We've got a good sandwich here. 
sandwich. Dana sandwich. Uh, and by the way, I had such a good time with you uh, last week doing the final episode of the Mary Trump Book Club, which is out now for patrons. You have to check it out. So, so good. I d- Although someone was like, I watched the video version. Allison, did you release the video version of the interview? Because <laughs> I would have done something with myself a little. I would have gotten myself put together a little more. You were like, no, just the audio, but we'll see each other. And then someone was like, I watched the video and I'm like, what was I doing I could have been doing anything during the video. I might not have had pants on. I think I got up and walked away during part of the interview to go get coffee. Like, I have no idea you were going to release that. I just put it out for the patrons. I'm literally in my pajama shorts. (laughs) You owe me one on that. You owe me one on that. I do. I do. Next time we'll sign waivers. (laughs) pajama waivers oh man she was amazing she's just so she really lights me up i mean it she's just it is amazing and people have said this like how together she actually is and still how empathic and how funny and how hopeful in some ways she she is coming from this family i mean i feel like sometimes if she can get through her childhood and and her adulthood with uh being a trump then we you know all of our first world problems are are lesser yeah, I concur. Uh, but yeah, check, you have to check it out. And now you have to check out the video to see what Dana does. Uh, and uh, Oh my <laughs> God. I know you'll get a great view of my kitchen is what you're getting. <laughs> hey, Room Raider will give you a 10 out of 10, I'm sh- I'm certain. Um, oh no, actually, you know what? I'm actually worried about them. Oh, <laughs> I think it'll be fine. But um, we do have a lot of news. Let's... Uh... <laughs> I, I uh, so much, so much. I'm ready to go. Yeah, this whole Rudy Giuliani thing is a crack up. So let's let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, lead story today. As we know, now this we're gonna get to Rudy Giuliani in a second, but he is not even the top story because his stuff is such bullshit. But the lead story: BuzzFeed and Epic have been in a court battle, as you know, to determine whether the Mueller report redactions made by Barr and the Justice Department were appropriate. And early this past March, Judge Reggie Walton told the Department of Justice they had to furnish him with the full unredacted copy of the report so he could sit there in office, in camera, review it line by line to determine whether Barr's redactions were done in compliance with the FOIA exception rules because he didn't trust Barr as far as he could throw him because of his lack of candor in, mis- in you know, his misleading four-page summary of the Mueller re- report, grossly mischaracterizing the work of the Mueller team. He's like, you're full of shit, man. Yeah, spoiler alert, it wasn't correct. <laughs> yeah, and, and so Walton reviewed it line by line, determined that multiple redactions were inappropriate and ordered the Department of Justice to release the text beneath, which they did. And that's why we learned about so many of Barr's redactions were meant to hide how insidious the Russian disinformation attack was, especially the social media social media manipulation and especially the massive scope of the internet research agency and just how controlled by the GRU it was and still is. It's a fucking Russian spy operation and all of that to downplay the seriousness of the attack, just like they downplayed the serious seriousness of COVID except, you know, downplaying Russia was to keep us ignorant about the current Russian election malfeasance and downplaying COVID was to kill us all. It was to keep the false economy propped up at the expense (laughs) of American lives. Right. Yeah. Two different means, same fucking end. Hang on to power and line their pockets, right? That's their whole goal. That's what they do. Well, October 6th, the orange idiot tweeted some shit like, Russia's a hoax. I ordered a declassification of all things <laughs> with that and with Hillary's emails. No redactions or some shit. And that caused Jason Leopold at BuzzFeed to go, hmm, 
Trump's tweets are official declarations. Thanks and to Trump just called for the immediate declassification <laughs> of everything related to Russia. And I'm in a lawsuit about the Mueller report redactions. So, ipso facto, uh, Leopold filed an emergency motion for the court to release the entire unredacted Mueller report uh, to BuzzFeed and Epic based on Trump's official tweet waiver of the FOIA exceptions to redacted material. Walton then ordered the Department of Justice to meet with the White House. He's like, you go talk to your mom and find out. He basically convinced me how your tweet isn't a waiver of the exceptions and why we shouldn't order the Department of Justice to hand over everything. And on October 13th, the DOJ said, uh, the president has the authority to declassify documents that are otherwise properly classified. The president has not exercised this authority with respect to any of the FD-302s remaining at issue in this case. The DOJ argued that the court cannot infer that any such sweeping order exists based on the Twitter statements because they merely suggest that the president's authorized the declassification of unspecified information. The Twitter statements do not refer to any specific document and do not indicate the president was exercising his constitutional authority to declassify specific information. Uh-huh. Right. I guess so. Yeah, declassify all documents doesn't specify any specific documents, but it does spe- it specify all documents related to the Mueller report. Yeah, he says any anything to do with Russia and anything to do with the Hillary emails. No redactions. That seems like it's pretty specific. But Walton wants the Department of Justice to get the president's intent on the record. So there was a hearing Friday. BuzzFeed's Jason Leopold said during that Friday hearing that Walton and Trump clearly indicated his intent to declassify Russia documents. Walton said, I think when the president makes an unambiguous statement like that, uh, that he was declassifying information, I don't think anything more is required. His cl- his, he clearly has indicated intent. Walton wants the White House counsel to speak to Trump about his tweets and his intent, and the hearing was continued until next week, when the Department of Justice is supposed to submit proof of Trump's intent to the court. And legal journalist Brad Heath for Reuters also took stock of of this, saying it was remarkable, these proceedings. Judge Walton refused to take at face value the DOJ's assertion that the president made false statements when he claimed to have declassified all Russia documents. The judge wants Trump himself to admit that or, in the alternative, to confirm that he wants all Russia hoax documents unredacted, the latter of which would be a sweeping implications. So but he basically is going to get him on the fucking record. Like, you either need to tell me your tweet, you're a liar, or you need to release all the Russia documents. Like, it's right. so beautiful. Thank God he finally gets into these situations where no matter what he says, he's going to, you know, implicate himself. Finally, people are starting to get him into that position. Right, like painting him into a corner so he has to admit it. Um, and, and he and he said, rather than merely accepting the word of DOJ and White House counsel uh, that the things the president said on Twitter was false, Judge Walton wants the president himself to admit it. This will just be super interesting, said Brad Heath. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so great. Um, and now Republicans, uh, as we predicted, uh, we predicted for a while now, like, when are they going to start jumping ship when when they realize that they're fucked in the election, right? Which is it's amazing. Some of them are jumping ship and then others of them are just rearranging the chairs while the orchestra plays and the Titanic's going down. <laughs> it's so interesting <laughs> that there's two types of Republicans right now. <laughs> now I know I'm in first class. Music to drown by. Um yeah, it, and Senator Sass says Trump uh, mistreats women, flirts with white supremacy secretly. So he's he, he basically is nicer to white supremacists than he is to women, and uh, secretly mocks evangelicals. 
Um, and and this is all in a, a conference call. So it, it says here he eviscerated Trump during a phone call with constituents in which the Nebraska Republican accused the president of cozying up to dictators, mistreating women, flirting with white supremacists, irresponsibly handing covid. Uh, his comments were disclosed by the Washington Examiner, which is a Republican joint, by the way, which obtained an audio recording of the call. Yeah, I wonder how they got it. Um, <laughs> all of I here's what I'm saying. If I'm not being clear enough, fucking Ben Sass recorded this shit, slipped it over to the Washington Examiner, and had it released so that the public thinks, oh my God, he really does hate Trump. He needs to back away from Trump. Trump's a bad guy. He's always hated Trump. While making Trump think, oh, these deep state got me on a recording. It wasn't my fault. I would never say that about you in public. Oh, yeah. So that's what I think is happening. And I, you know, to be to be fair, John Cornyn just came out with not a tape, but same thing. Like behind closed doors, Cornyn says this. All of these Republicans are going to start leaking things that they hate about trump it's just going to start happening a lot oh watch absolutely i mean the the numbers the fact that the i mean we now jones in alabama is starting to get ahead like all of these republicans are starting to freak out it's a glorious thing to see and they're now in a rock and a hard place because if they denounce trump trump goes after him on twitter and then the followers go after their representatives so they should have done this a long time ago to try to get some sort of reputable backing because they are screwed now. It's the same thing as Trump. No matter what he says, he's going to implicate himself in these Republicans too. If they pull away from Trump, Trump goes after him. If they don't, they lose votes from their constituents. It's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and McSally couldn't say shit about Trump during her debate with Mark Kelly. They're like, you support Trump, you vote with Trump. And she would not say that she supports Trump because she knows everything Trump touches dies. And they know that, and you're right, some of these, some of these races, like the Lindsey Graham, uh, Jamie Harrison, the McGrath, uh, Kentucky against Mitch McConnell, the Doug Jones, that these were races that we thought, you know, and are in, you know, real clear politics of having like a 4% chance of winning, 6% chance of winning. They're getting scared in those likely Republican areas. Yeah. Um, And so it's going to be interesting to see. And now we've got more, you know, people like, uh, let's see here, Barr's resentment. This is Philip Halpern, okay? He's a federal prosecutor in San Diego. He wrote a letter. It's my backyard. He wrote this for the San Diego Union-Tribune saying, basically, Barr's a piece of shit. He says, Barr's resentment toward the rule of law prosecutors became increasingly difficult to ignore, as did his slavish obedience to Donald Trump's will. Uh, This career bureaucrat seems determined to turn our democracy into an autocracy, Uh, He called Barr a well-trained bureaucrat without prosecutorial prosecutorial experience in alleging that he scorned honest apolitical prosecutors and selectively meddled in the criminal justice system to help Trump allies. He's talking about Stone and Flynn, for example. And so they're just all jumping ship. So it's going to be interesting to see how this turns out. Every picture of Barr with Trump in public now looks like his spine is like lifting out of his body. You can like his face is drawn. His head is down. All of these, and I hate to call them men because even that term is so subjective right now. All of these boys that, you know, gave up their reputation. But Barr's not one of those, A.G. Barr's reputation has been shot since Iran-Contra. I mean, he has been, he knows exactly what he's been doing. 
But he's in a situation right now where Trump's asking him to do things that are blatantly illegal and Barr will take it right up to that line, but he's not going to implicate himself. And that's when Trump goes after him because he's disappointed that his lapdog didn't bark loud enough. Yeah, because the the Durham investigation, zilch. The Bash investigation into the unmasking of Flynn, fucking nothing. Uh, you know, and then and then you we have these reports of Trump saying, "Why aren't you in- indicting people?" They're like, "Because they didn't fucking break the law," you know. Yeah, you ought you should be indicted, but we have this memo, this thin piece of paper here that's keeping you from going to fucking jail. So watch yourself, you know. Um, let's see what else do we have in the headlines. Next up, let's see a man arrested. This this is follows right along the lines of uh, Governor Whitmer. Um, being, you know, they had arrested 13 people uh, in a plot to kidnap and kill her. And then we learned about Governor Northam in yeah. Virginia. They were also plotting to kidnap and him. Now a man has been arrested in a plot to kidnap and kill the Wichita mayor. So that's actually happening. This, I mean, this is crazy. It's like we're living in some sci-fi Marvel comic movie. Like, this is just crazy. This is crazy yeah. that this is where we're at. Yeah, Brandon Whipple, I guess, Wichita mayor, because uh, he had a mask ordinance. The, the the cops say that they arrested this guy who was going to threaten to kidnap. He was he was threatening to kidnap and kill uh, the mayor. He's kidnapping threat and slash his throat. This shit is really Jeez. going on. And then we've got a president who gets up there right after Whitmer was. They foiled that plan by the FBI, and and he's got lock her up in his chance in the in the rallies. It's just unbelievable. And she's yeah. stayed so I want to say grounded during this whole thing. Like on Twitter, she's like, "This is the rhetoric that started this in the first place. We've got to get him out of there." She is really keeping her head about her with this whole situation because I would have lost it. <laughs> yeah, especially if the president of the fucking United States isn't like, oh, "Are you okay?" You know, Biden called her. Biden was like, "Hey, are you all right?" <laughs> you know, of course, Biden called her. Yeah. And uh, a couple other headlines here. The election, as we know, it's ongoing over 20. Now I think it's up to 23, almost 24 million people have voted already. Which is beautiful. That's a third of, yeah, of, of the people who voted for, for Trump in 2016. Uh, there's a, some issue going on with a, a, the ballot printing in Ohio. Some paper company and i keep having the office in my head when i think of this but <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a, a printing company overwhelmed and mail ballots are being delayed but they fly they fly a trump 2020 flag over their cleveland headquarters um and this was done by uh, this is some reporting done by uh reed epstein uh on october 16th in the new york times so definitely check that story out but it seems pretty fishy to me and then um Here's from also from Ohio. This is so great. The Republican attorney general has been subpoenaed. This is Dave Yost. This is one of the douchebags who wrote uh, an amicus curiae brief for the Second Circuit Court of Appeals or the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals uh, in the Flynn case. I think it's the D.C. Circuit. It, it is the D.C. Circuit. Like not no one asked for it. Right. But, uh, <laughs> h- h- him and like. 12 or 13 other Republican governors or attorneys general wrote this amicus brief on behalf of Flynn and just submitted it to the second circuit clear the, excuse me, the circuit court of DC circuit court of appeals. And everyone's like, thanks. We didn't. Okay. No one, you know, like, you know, those memes, no one, 
Dave Yost. <laughs> here's, here's, here's a big letter for you. I know you didn't ask for it. Barr yeah. did the same thing before he was up for the job, which is funny because we knew that he was going to go get him. But didn't he also write some sort of a, a very lengthy memo about what yeah. how he'd want the job and stuff? And everyone was like, what? No one asked you yet. Like you weren't even in, this wasn't even discussed yet. Yeah. They just enter contests that were never actually real and then claim they were number one. It's weird. <laughs> I love this closer. Oh my God, this closing story, Allison, is magic. <laughs> this is going to lead into like later on in the show when I talk to Frank Figalusi. But from the Washington Post, <clears throat> U.S. intelligence agencies warned the White House last year that Trump's personal lawyer, Kaludi Rudy, was the target of an influence operation by Russian intelligence. This is according to four formal of- former officials familiar with the matter. Uh, the warnings were based on multiple sources, including intercepted communications that showed Giuliani was interacting with people who tied to Russian intelligence during a December 2019 trip to Ukraine. This reminds me of the Flynn shit, right? When they when we got the Kislyak phone calls and everyone's like, why were you why were you surveilling an American? Why were you surveilling Flynn? And people are going to say the same thing here. Why were you surveilling Giuliani? They weren't. <laughs> they were surveilling our fucking enemies who were on the phone with Flynn and Giuliani. And they're like, hmm, uh, we should probably tell somebody about that. Oh, so. my God. And they target the dumbest. I mean, bless, bless Giuliani's heart. But I feel like when you tell a secret to like a high school group of girls and then you watch and see which one goes and tells the rest of her friends, that's who you target to spread disinformation. Like Russia picks the guy that won't shut the fuck up <laughs> about everything. Yeah. Well, I actually, I think I tweeted like, I think I tweeted like it, 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 he has to at least be as embarrassing to Russia as he is to the United States. Like this has oh, to be like, God. oh my God. Uh, and now what's funny is the, the intelligence that what they heard from these phone calls is what raised concerns that he was being used to feed Russian misinformation to the president. This is according to conversations with former officials. Warnings to the White House have not previously been reported. Um, the, these these warnings led National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien to warn Trump in a private conversation that any information Giuliani brings back from Ukraine should be considered contaminated by Russia. This is O'Brien saying this. The message was, do what you want to do, but your friend Rudy has been working, has been worked by the Russians (laughs) in Ukraine. And officials wanted to, quote, protect the president from coming out and saying something stupid, particularly since he was facing impeachment (laughs) <laughs> over his own efforts to strong arm Ukraine's president into investigating the Bidens. But O'Brien emerged from the meeting uncertain whether he'd gotten through. Uh, Trump had just shrugged his shoulders uh, and the former that's this is according to somebody who was at the meeting and dismissed the concern, saying that's Rudy. Womp womp. I mean, Allison, though, is there anyone listening that doesn't believe Trump set this up with a Putin call? He's said to do this with Rudy so that Rudy can, you know, release all of this crap information about Hunter Biden and everything else. And then Trump could play dumb. They're throwing Rudy under the bus like they always do, but they're still able to get the press to run these bullshit news stories and distract the public from what's actually happening. Like, I don't know, the 225,000, 100,000 people that have died from COVID. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's the Russian op is that they they put it out in an, a, a stupid news source like New York Post, a bullshit news source, right. and then it gets covered by legit news sources, and that's how it gets legs. Um, but yeah, so this it, this is obvious to me, and we've learned now the FBI is investigating 
whether these hacked Hunter Biden emails are part of an intelligence op too, they've already been looking into Giuliani. I say yes, it is. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. And I think here's who's going to be implicated. It's going to be Giuliani, Dirk Hutch, Ratcliffe, our DNI, who, who gave that letter to Lindsey Graham, Ron Johnson, Fertosh, Dimitri Fertosh, the New York Post, Derek Harvey, that's the Nunez aide who also traveled to Ukraine, Telezhenko, that's the person who was feeding Ron Johnson his disinformation, DeGeneva and Tonzig, those are those two fucking batshit crazy Fox News lawyers. They were also in Ukraine. <laughs> Emma Jo Morris and Gabrielle Von Rouge are the, the authors uh, Solom- of the New York Post article. And then Solomon, of course, was the, art, the author of the other article about uh, dis- Russian disinformation. Artemenko and Nabil Bader, those are the two lobbyists that were working with Dirkoch that said, fuck you, bro. Uh, and Brian Benchkowski met with um, uh, Rudy Giuliani and Bill Barr to try to get Fertosh off the hook for his extradition for bribery charges in Chicago. We have Hannity, OAN, Trump, Barr, Nunes, Fraud Guarantee, of course, Bannon, and then the Partisan Freeman Show, Korea, Robert Costello, that's the lawyer for Rudy. Uh, Mac Isaac is the uh, computer store owner. And Steve, I think Steve Mnuchin will be implicated, even though he did put sanctions on Dirk Koch and Teloshenko. But put some beans on it. Uh, Allison, that was super, super hot. That was super hot. That whole segment that you just rambled <laughs> off all of those names, that was super hot. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. I've been following all this shit for quite a while. My uh, God. And later on. Later on, I am. I have the the dubious honor. It's not dubious. It's actually just rocking. Uh, I get to talk to former FBI director for counterintelligence, assistant director, excuse me, Frank Thigluzzi. Uh He has got new information regarding the foreign disinformation campaign published in the in the New York Post um, and this effort to smear Hunter Biden. But next. Before that, I'm excited. I'm going to be talking with Democratic candidate Phil Arbio. He's running to unseat Devin Nunes, Nunes in California's 22nd district. So mm. it's going to be hot. Mm. That's my. That's the best cow noise I can do. Mm. <laughs> Stay with us. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, this Helping the Daily Beans is brought to you by Helix Sleep. As you know, the past four years, I've had trouble sleeping, lay awake, staring at the ceiling, tossing and turning, massive anxiety. Uh, At first, I thought I was losing sleep because of this administration and the stress, but actually I had a trash mattress, too. So thank gosh for Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep understands that you're unique, customizes your mattress to fit you in the way you sleep the best. They created a sleep quiz. takes two minutes online. You use your answers to match you and your body type to the best mattress for you. If you like a mattress that's soft or firm, or you sleep on your side, or you sleep really hot, there's a specific mattress for each and everyone's unique taste. And I have to tell you, we had the, the a most amazing couple, Anne and Debbie, who called in on a confession and said that we have a confession. We've been sleeping on a Trump-branded mattress for the last four years. And I was like, oh my gosh. And he Helix Sleep, incredibly, uh, sent them a brand new Helix Plus mattress after they took the online quiz. They're like, Debbie, uh, Anne, you, you can't be sleeping on a Trump-branded mattress. And they sent them one. And I think that's so awesome. This company is incredible. You don't need to take my word for it. They were actually voted number one best overall mattress by in 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired. So just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Take your two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time to flip it blue. I'm blue. 
Okay, this has got to be the coolest Flip It Blue segment we will have had. I don't want to I don't want to denigrate any of the awesome Flip It Blue segments we've had, but this today we are talking to the Democratic opponent in California's 22nd district of Trump sycophant, prodigious litigant, sued a fake internet cow. We are talking about uh Phil Arbio. Phil, welcome to uh, the Daily Beans. How are you? Thank you, Allison. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Good morning. So, my show uh, both of them, Mueller, she wrote, and the Daily Beans has been tracking the. Um, how do I put this nicely? The shenanigans of one Devin Nunes for many years now. All you know, ever since he fell out of an Uber in front of the White House, and now he could be implicated in this. Uh, you know, sending his uh, his uh, aides over to Ukraine. Uh, and now he could be implicated in this New York Post uh, Russian interference. Like just the amount of he had to step down from his chair position when the Republicans controlled the House Intelligence Committee because of what, you know, what he had his hands in. And so I'm so excited to talk to you because, first of all, uh, I, I know our li- the listeners here know a lot about California's 22nd. Um, you went to Fresno State. You live there. Uh, and, you know, we've sort of been, f- like I said, following the career of Devin Nunes for a while and his his hundred square foot farm that isn't real and his family moving to Iowa. But it is a very, very important district uh, with regards to who lives there and the characteristics of the 22nd. Can you talk a little bit about who lives in the 22nd district? Well, I live in the 22nd. I'm, I'm a Devin Nunes constituent. Uh, I re- represent the minority majority in this district, Latino, uh, small business owner. Um, we are, you know, it's a very proud area of the, of the central Valley, you know, being the, the breadbasket of the world and, 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 you know, a lot of the things that we eat, uh, from day to day, you know, come from right here in the central Valley, uh, everything from the, the citrus on the East side, uh, to our almond growers and, and, you know, even cotton around here as well. So, there's uh there's a lot of pride in the valley. We've been we we've had this black eye for the last four years because of Representative Nunez, um, you know not not only not being here in the district at all, and showing up you know every blue moon. I think we've had more blue moons than Devin Nunez sightings in this district, and uh, and then what we're seeing on television it's it's a real disgrace. And if 2018 was any indication of that the people are fed up. Um, I, I think we have like, I mean, it, it is it, it's a really good shot that we're going to have some new representation uh, in this in, in the in the 22nd in the House of Representatives uh, come November. Right. And we can see it. Um, Real Clear Politics had, I think, Romney one year district by 15 points. Trump won by nearly 10. Uh, and so there is a little bit of a diminishment there. Uh, and then you're only, uh, I mean, you're within, I think, the margin of error or very close to it. I mean, it's a neck and neck race. Yeah. I mean, and then, um, you know, two years ago, Devin won this district by five, right? So um, in two years, he lost 30% of the margin. It was a 35 point victory in 2016 for Devin. And then he wins by five. And, um, you know, we're within that margin already uh, with three <laughs> weeks left to go. So, uh, we're super excited on where we're standing, and, and we just got to keep keep it keep at it. You know, encourage those to vote, uh, to get out there and vote. Uh, keep my message um, uh, on the airwaves and everything like that. And, and we've been doing that with a with a real grassroots can- campaign. You know, I mean, 
we know Devin works not only for, for Donald Trump, but he works for his corporate donors. He works for his special interest donors. Uh, he, he, no, he no longer works for the people uh, of the San Joaquin Valley. And, and that's why he, he almost lost. And that's why he will lose in 2020. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like you're saying here, this isn't so much just about beating Devin Nunes. There are real issues that are facing your constituents that are just being ignored in favor of special interests and D.C. and and Trump's policies. Uh, And I'd like to go over some of those things because I think healthcare right now uh, is on the forefront of a lot of folks' minds because this administration is actively trying to gut the Affordable Care Act, kick people off their insurance. We're in the middle of a pandemic worst time to do it. I mean, it's never a good time to kick tens of millions of people off their health insurance, but in the middle of a global health crisis. And I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about some of the things that you are for, not just against Nunes, but talk about your health care plan and, and how you intend to get uh, timely access to quality health care for the, the people of California's 22nd district. Yeah, I mean, health care, if it wasn't number one before this pandemic, it is now number one. I mean, we, we saw that was the main ins- issue in 2018. Um, and now it's 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 an even bigger issue because of this pandemic. You know, people have lost their jobs and thus lost their health care. So we're seeing that there is more room to improve the Affordable Care Act and, and, and getting to where we, we need to be in this country, which is universal health care. And one way we can do that is by a public option, allowing private citizens to, to, um, to buy into uh, Medicare and Medicaid um, and, and drive down the cost of, of, of the marketplace and the premiums and the, and the prescription uh, drugs. There's thousands of people in the, uh, in the district who have lost their jobs um, because of this pandemic and thus have lost their their health care as well. And um, and that's why it's important to to expand the program and, and to get more people access to quality and affordable health care. And we know, uh, as you said, this administration is actively trying to rip away um, health care for millions of Americans. And Devin Nunes obviously is on that same uh, boat. He's actively uh, voted to repeal the Affordable uh, Care Act multiple times, which would have kicked thousands of families um, off their health care coverage in this district as well, um, and not protect those with pre-existing conditions like my son, uh, who has asthma. I grew up here in the Central Valley with asthma. Our air quality is terrible here, uh, especially today with the wildfires that are still raging, and one right in our backyard here. So um, literally people's lives are on the line this November on, on you know, how this country moves forward to protect and and make sure that that families and individuals are healthy. Yeah, and you mentioned pre-existing conditions, and this uh, coronavirus hasn't been around long enough for us to know the long-term effects. And with the kind of I don't know non-plan by this administration on how to tackle COVID, we're seeing a lot of cases which are going to be considered a pre-existing condition, and and so it's 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 terrifying to to think about the fact that there's no plan in place to stop that and to take away protections for pre-existing conditions and, and you know when they tell you that they're that they won't that they are literally arguing in court right now to strip that provision away yeah so. they they have they have i mean their their their, their health care plan is don't get sick really <laughs> i mean that's literally their health care plan um they're they're talking about going doing away with the affordable care plan but they don't have a plan uh, in their back pocket at all. And yes, that's a great 
um, you know, that that was a, a great example that, you know, what COVID is going to leave people with lingering health issues, upper respiratory issues that may form into into uh, asthma at some point. Um, that insurance company will say it's a pre-existing condition. And if the, the Republicans have their way, um, you wouldn't be protected. So this pandemic has has highlighted a lot of flaws in our healthcare uh, plan, but a lot of flaws in the Republicans' plan of mm-hmm. don't get sick as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you brought up many people have lost their jobs and lost their health care. I mean, this this administration has has tanked our economy. We had nine hundred thousand applications for unemployment last week alone. Um, and I know that there's a lot of small farmers in your district, and none of that $28 billion in the first CARES Act has even been sent out to anyone. And so people are really struggling. Uh, what is your plan on, on the economy? Yeah, we have to get people uh, back to work. But the only way we can do that is, is, is get this pandemic under control. I have a small business in Fresno uh, that was, you know, I had taken a back seat because I had to run full time. Uh, for for the seat, but um, I was still meeting with clients face to face when I had the chance, and and I was still able to serve them. But when this pandemic hit, um, you know, I pretty much shut all that down, and and I know other colleagues as well have done the same thing. And uh, you know, we we the government owes it to the people to continue to help them out. With you know, they did a good job in the first stimulus, which I don't believe was enough for a family of four. I mean. You know, my family and I received $3,400, which was great. It helps us out because my wife did lose her job because of COVID. Um, but that for a family of four, uh, that that lasts maybe a month. Um, and we could probably stretch it if we really needed to. We did have some income as well. Yeah, but if it was enough, we wouldn't be at the table right now trying to get more. <laughs> and we did pass another one, right? The HEROES Act, which my <laughs> opponent voted uh, against. And we haven't had anything... Uh, since and we have some real and and we know that this president it's not an, an issue for him because he told people stop negotiating push this supreme court nominee through and there are real people in this district who are struggling to keep their businesses open we've seen b- small businesses here that have been in the valley for decades closed shop because the government didn't give them any assistance beyond what was in the very beginning um we have seen uh, employ, uh, employees not be able to go back to work because the, 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 the place they used to work at is no longer there anymore. So we have to get this pandemic under control. You have to wear your mask. You have to social distance, avoid your, avoid those social gatherings and wash your hands so that we can get, um, this economy up in the central Valley again, uh, working and everywhere, uh, working again. And, and most importantly, getting our children back to school. I have a seven-year-old who is experiencing first grade, his first year of first grade, and the only time he'll ever be in first grade uh, online, and he misses his friends, and we know he does. Uh, You know, my goal as a member of Congress, as soon as I get in here, is to make sure that by August of 2021, my son can experience the first day of second grade um, in school, and meeting him, and seeing his friends again, and I think that's the most important thing for this uh, um, that we can do uh, in those six months with a new administration, hopefully a new Senate and uh, a new member of Congress representing the 22nd uh, Congressional District. Mm. 
Yeah, because Nunez pretty much just does whatever Trump and Mitch want him to do instead of fighting for the families and people in your district. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, look, the guy's been there for 18 years. He has socialized health care. He has a government paycheck. I mean, he talks about the the demise and he has this pamphlet out of, you know, the the rise of socialism. I don't even know what the book's called or something like that. But the guy's been living off a government paycheck for 18 years. He's never had to work. Uh, he's never had an actual day of work in a in a real business uh, in his entire life. He never had to work full time to 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 put himself through school like I did. Uh, it took me years to make that happen because I had to work full time uh, to do that. So he doesn't. And, and that's the biggest thing between Devin and I. He doesn't experience his experience in the Central Valley is not the experience that most of us have, which is having to work hard, having to. Uh, you know, uh, not not growing up here in the valley where your 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 goal is to be a career politician. Devin went to school in college four years, two years to to get his master's degree, came back to the valley and immediately ran for office. I mean, that's his been entire goal, and he's been there for eighteen years. And you know, he's been there way too long, and it's time to get someone uh, who represents the valley as it is today. Yeah, agreed. And you also brought up a very important point about when we were talking about health care, about your son and asthma. And I, I would like to talk a little bit about the environment um, and the air quality and, the you know, due to the fires and the pollutants in the area. And also uh, along the, the lines of the environment, the, the clean water in your area and water to farmers is just so important. So can, can you discuss your plans on uh, the environment? Yeah, I mean, it, the... the... The environment is, is is obviously a personal issue for me, having two kids growing up here, one with already, one with asthma already. I mean, our air quality was has always been bad. I grew up here with asthma, uh, but I don't remember it being this bad growing up, especially the wildfire situation that one can still uh, it's still ra- is still going on right now, just to the to the northeast of northeast east east of us. And you know, my wife and I are every day watching our air quality index to make sure that it's safe to send the children outside um, because we spent most of the summer locked in, not only because of the pandemic, but because of the wildfires. It's only been until recently where the children were able to go out into the backyard and, and actually play. And so we need a representative who, who, who's willing to uh, have a seat at the table and make sure that he's listening to both the experts on the environment uh, and also uh, those that are that are uh, you know going to be listening to the scientists when it comes to ch- climate change. Devin Nunes doesn't believe in climate change. He he, he thinks it's a hoax, right? Um, the fires that are raging in California are on government property, U.S. government property, and he's been there for 18 years and he wants to you know bitch and complain about not you know, California not doing enough. He literally he holds the funds to help the United States Forest Service manage those forests when it comes to their you know their restoration thinning when it comes to their prescribed burns but yet he doesn't want to do the work uh, Devin what we know about Devin is that he he just making him work you can just tell in his face is like why are you why are you making me do anything like just let me go on Fox News let me just raise a, a bunch of money and um, you know and don't and don't bother me um, if you're a constituent of the 22nd I really I could really care less about you uh, and we've seen it from the very beginning he had one appearance in the very beginning when it came to the coronavirus uh, he has done nothing since 
uh, these wildfires have appeared. Uh, you know, they're not in his district, but they're very close to his district. We have one on the eastern side of Tulare County. We have one on the eastern side of Fresno County. Uh, and those are places where, you know, he should be front and center and saying, what can we do to help? What can I do as a member of Congress to get the results we need to mitigate these fires, uh, listen to the experts and get the resources we need to the United States uh, Forest Service? Um, you know, I don't want my daughter, and she probably will grow up uh, maybe with some respiratory issues as well, uh, and, but we don't want future generations. California leads the way in environmental policy. We've seen it with Governor Newsom saying by 2035, no more gas powered vehicles are gonna be sold in the state of California. Um, and that, that is very helpful for the San Joaquin Valley, which has the worst air quality basin in this nation. And um, it's really gonna help future, future uh, generations um, you know, combat the, the, the effects of asthma. Well, I mean, I know Nunez doesn't want to work. He's very busy suing people, Phil. He's, he's got a lot of lawsuits. It is. And then of course he has to go through and defend himself in the ethics investigations for for people wondering how he's even paying for these lawsuits because they have don't held any public interest. It, you know, he's a busy fella. Um, sarcasm font here. Uh, one last thing before I let you go, and this is a very big issue in, in your uh, district, is immigration. Can you talk a little bit about your policies there? Well, it is, it's a very personal issue for me, being the grandson of two immigrants uh, who came uh, to this, to this uh, country for a better life. And, and, and on my, my grandfather's side literally was fleeing uh, a Mexican revolution. Uh, fleeing for their lives. Um, so it, it's a very personal, um, uh, you know, uh, issue to me because I, you know, I understand what the culture is going through. I understand what the communities are going through. And again, we've never had a member of Congress uh, from the central San Joaquin Valley, and that's from Sacramento to, to, to Santa Barbara, who was Latino, who, who was, uh, who was able to have a seat at that table fighting for these communities who are uh, hardworking and they've been here for decades um, and they just they came to this country for a better life for their children and their grandchildren you know our DACA recipients our dreamers uh, they deserve the, the same exact rights and privileges that we uh, who are born on this um, born on this soil deserve because they don't know anything else it was no fault of their own that they came over to this country, their family were fleeing for whatever reason, whether it was economy or war, um, and uh, they deserve they deserve every opportunity that we deserve as well. So I'll be fighting for them. Um, I'll be fighting for their their parents who came here to make sure they're recognized and they're respected in the hard work that they do to contribute to the economy here in the Central Valley, whether they're working in the packing houses, whether they're working in the fields, or whether they're just working in the service industries. All those industries are essential during this time of the pandemic as well. And they've been completely left behind by our representative who refuses to ask for any funding for PPE, for any uh, kind of testing that they need right now. I was just reading an article this morning that um, that those that work in the field because of this pandemic, daycares aren't open, uh, you know, their families uh, are, are, are all working in, in, in these essential businesses. They're bringing their children to work with them because they have no other option. Uh, it, it, it's terrible and, it, and, and the silence that our representative has is is even uh, more uh, reprehensible, but we know why he's silent. You know, I mean, he, he doesn't care. He, he, these aren't the voters he's trying to court, right? He wants the growers, he wants the farmers, he wants the big uh, the big special interest, 
he's not trying to to court the the uh, the the family out in in eastern Tulare County or Fresno County that that are um, that have to buy bottled water because uh, Devin Nunes refuses to uh, to champion any bill that's gonna that's going to uh, repair their water infrastructure they, so they have access uh, to clean water and that's why it's so important again this is a um, as Joe Biden says this is the battle of for the soul of this country this is literally a battle for the soul of this uh, uh, of this district because uh, if we continue to elect Devin Nunes to Congress we're going to left, be left further and further behind uh, the rest of the country. Yeah, the DACA thing, that needs to be made permanent, and um, we need to give a path of citizenship, because it seems to me the only <laughs> the only argument they have against it is, well, it, they didn't go through the process. Well, then let's make the process not take 23 years. Let's... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. You, you, you don't have, when you're, when you're risking your life to come to this country, you don't have time to wait 23 years. Uh, again, just like my, uh, just like my uh, grandparents who are fleeing the, the Mexican Revolution, uh, or my, my, my grandma who came here because um, there was just no opportunity in Mexico. And so her family sent her to the United States and said, you know, when you when you get enough money, you know, send it back and then eventually we'll all come over. I mean, you, you these are life and death situations that we can't wait for. So let's we have to we have to make the process, uh, you know, bigger and more streamlined so that uh, people feel welcomed here. And we're not separating families at the border either. Well, I know that there are so many people who support you. So can you tell listeners where they can go to contribute, volunteer, text bank, phone bank? Where, where do they find that information and to read up on your platform as well? Blog. Yeah, absolutely. So in, uh, in about, uh, I th- well, right now, currently, uh, we have postcard writing uh, every Friday uh, between, I believe, 10 and 12. Um, we have a great, uh, we have great volunteers who get together on Zoom and they chat and they write a bunch of postcards to the to the people of the, of the San Joaquin Valley. You can go um, on our Facebook page. You can find more about that. Our phone banking we're doing, of course, um, and also our text banking. Because we are not canvassing this year, you know, we need as many volunteers as we can uh, for all those activities um, because we, we need to be able to reach as many constituents as possible during this time of the pandemic. Uh, we're, we're not going to put our volunteers and staff out there uh, and risk their lives or the, ri- or the lives of anyone else they come in contact to, uh, with and, and, uh, and, and be walking neighborhoods. So this is the best and safest way that you can help us. You can go to fillourbio.com also to make your contribution. Uh, we only have three weeks left. We need to keep our, our ads on television, on the radio, and every dollar you're able to um, donate, um, um, what go, goes a long way at this time as well. So uh, I appreciate you having me on and the, and your supporters as well and our supporters uh, from this area. I know we have a lot from the, uh, the San Diego area. So thank you to everyone who has uh, uh, chipped in and, and maybe has even volunteered as well. Uh, again, just uh, fillourbio.com to, uh, uh, to donate or to, or to get involved. Facebook, Twitter, we have 260,000 followers on Twitter. That's also in a very easy way uh, to get involved and, and, and find out what you can do to, to help us uh, flip this district uh, blue in, in November. Awesome. Thank you so much. Democratic candidate running for the U.S. House of Representatives in California's 22nd district, trying to unseat the ineffective Devin Nunes. Phil Arbio, thank you for spending time with me today. I appreciate it. 
Thank you, Allison, for having me on. Appreciate it. Everybody stick around. Right after this, we'll be right back with the interview. Hey, everybody, it's AG. We all know our health is the most valuable thing we have, especially nowadays, and we're focusing on our well-being. But I want to avoid going to a doctor's office right now. And thankfully, there's a practical way to take control of your health. It's called SteadyMD. SteadyMD is your personal doctor online. If you start by taking, first of all, you start by taking a quick quiz. You get matched with a licensed primary care physician who understands your lifestyle and your health needs. Next, you get a one-hour appointment with your doctor to start a real relationship. After that, your doctor is available to you anytime by text, phone, or video chat. And unlike like other services, this isn't a random doctor. Each SteadyMD doctor has a panel of patients, and they have time to listen to you and give you personal attention. And I took the quiz. Um, they matched me according to my individual health and lifestyle. SteadyMD can help you get and stay healthy, manage chronic conditions and concerns, reduce stress, lose weight, sleep better, feel better, keep your immunity up, so important right now, and much, much more. Uh, while still in the serenity of your home, so you can skip the waiting rooms and the germs. Prescriptions are sent directly to your home or local pharmacy, and you get unlimited access to your doctor for just $99 a month. No additional visit fees or copays. SteadyMD will even help you understand and get the most out of your health insurance, but insurance is not required. SteadyMD is now accepting members of all ages in all 50 states, so go to SteadyMD.com slash DailyBeans to take the free quiz and see which doctor is a perfect fit for you. SteadyMD.com slash DailyBeans. There's no risk, no long-term commitment to get started. That's SteadyMD. S-T-E-A-D-Y-M-D dot com slash Daily Beans. And we thank them for sponsoring the pod. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Joining me today for the interview, former uh, assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence, Frank Fagluzzi. Frank, how are you? It's been a busy day. But then again, every day is going to be busy from now, probably through inauguration. Boy, yeah. My head is exploding with news today. Uh, and I wanted to go over a little bit with this, you know, New York Post debacle, Delaware, this fraud guarantee is what I'm calling the whole story, fraud guarantee, uh, <laughs> with Giuliani. And, you know, also we just found out that former Mueller associate Drebin has joined the, the Cy Vance investigation, and that's blowing my mind as well. Um, but in, in any case, I wanted to ask you, former FBI assistant director, counterintel, uh, because I've been d- discussing this a lot over the years with uh, how the, you know, the FBI works. You're coming out with the book, uh, The FBI Way. And they talk about, you know, sometimes if they're doing some undercover work, they've got informants in a circle. Uh, they have to make these judgment calls on, to, on, on whether and when they should blow the whistle and roll everybody up or let people continue to commit crimes. Uh, and I'm wondering, in the face of what's going on with the Rudy Giuliani acting as a Russian agent or a target uh, by Russian intelligence, however you want to word it, why he hasn't been indicted yet. And I, I was thinking, is it because they were waiting for him to 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 go through with the actual crime of releasing these if they were, in fact, the hacked emails from Burisma from Russia or, or whatever they end up being? We still don't have the, you know, the tight airtight information on that. Was that something that the FBI would wait for, or is it just too close to the election? What what's the why not indict him? Wow, there's a lot to unpack in that in that <laughs> compound question. So let's let's try to do it. Um, so first, the question kind of um, includes a premise, and for the sake for the sake of discussion, it's it's a uh, it's kind of interesting to to bring out. The premise number one is that there's enough criminal uh, conduct by Rudy to actually indict him. Um, and I, you know, I, I mean, I have a personal opinion based, based on public information that has to do with his 
his money, his taxes, um, even looking at what he's claimed in his divorce proceedings or not claimed as income and assets. Um, and and there's potential for Foreign Agents Registration Act violations. You could go on and on, but but let's assume let's assume for the sake of argument that there's a, there's enough in the federal system to perhaps indict him. And and there may not be, but let's assume that there is. Then you're asking the question, hey, um, this guy is in contact with known and suspected Russian intelligence operatives and even Russian intelligence officers. And why is that being permitted? And why wouldn't it be shut down somehow? So in the in the in the normal world and in, in the world that's outside of the beltway of Washington, D.C., if this were you or me or anyone else, um, the FBI would be swooping in, disrupting and deterring. And this is not normal because we're in a we're in an election year and the FBI has been burned badly in terms of public perception from 2016 and being perceived that they swoop in and meddle with elections. And here we go again. And so the sensitivity level is extremely high, but I want in the bureau and they will do everything in their power to not appear to mess with the outcome of this election. Having, having said that, I do, I do want to say this, any kind of notion that this, that either Rudy's being allowed to operate with Russian intel so that they, they can play this out and see how the, who all the operatives are and gain intelligence like you would in a drug investigation. I, I don't, I'm not buying that. I, the, this is way too important for the FBI to sit back and go, eh, let's let this run for a while. Let, let's see how much disinformation and propaganda the Russians can, can spew onto the American public. I, I don't see that. In fact, I see the opposite. I see now through the Washington Post report that the intel community went to the White House, said in no uncertain terms, Rudy is tainted, he's in contact, he's being targeted and, and used by Russian intelligence, and anything he gives you should be held at arm's length because it's tainted. And, and so I see that as an attempt to deter and mitigate. Now, Trump, Trump shrugged his shoulders reportedly and said that's Rudy and started regurgitating the Russian propaganda. Yeah, I, and, and so it would seem like if the FBI swooped in and, and collared him and, uh, before he was able to get this Russian disinformation into the media via the New York Post uh, by a couple of uh, reporters who had only written three stories for the Post, all of which happened that day, um, it, it just seems like to, for the, I don't know that the public would view that as interfering in the election as much as stopping someone from interfering in the election. Well, let's re do we need to revisit Jim Comey and, <laughs> and the infamous press conference with the flags draped behind him when he said, you know, and uh, th th that can't happen again. We can't have that mess again. And so, look, I think there's a concerted effort in, with, between the FBI and the social media platforms um, and throughout the intelligence community to try and suppress propaganda. I, the FBI is talking to Twitter and Facebook like never, ever before and vice versa. And they're, they're playing whack-a-mole right now. But I just, 
Look, look here's what here's what I, I find very, very fascinating. Let's let's talk about what the bureau's doing or, or not. Understand in this Delaware computer shop caper that there appears to have been a subpoena served on that computer shop owner, right? For that laptop in question. That subpoena was ser- was allegedly generated out of a grand jury in the state of Delaware. Now, what is going on with a grand jury being convened in Delaware that issues a subpoena for this laptop? What is that? What what what's the bureau doing? What's the U.S. Attorney's Office doing? Well, I think I know, but it would just be it would just be a guess. Uh, <laughs> Well, I think I think Rudy, I think Rudy dropped it off there. I mean, I think it's 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 part of an investigation into whether or not Rudy is a target of a of a, of a Russian intelligence operation, uh, because that laptop was generated by someone. I don't think it was generated by any of the Bidens or used by any of the Bidens. So it's it's definitely evidence in this thing. And they might, you know, we've we've heard reports that they've heard chatter about this for a while. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's the the subpoena from the grand jury to to see whose laptop that is. I like the idea. Um, it's not. It's <laughs> it's. You mean you're you mean you're slightly troubled or even suspicious that that the PDF email in question in the laptop seems to have been created in October, at, but the laptop was dropped off in April. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, let's let's talk about those uh, those couple of things that uh, that you've that, you know, we've we've been learning, because I will say this. The FBI has done an incredible job of, first of all, warning us that there would be Russian interference and, and disinformation by way of a video from Chris Ray, by way of a press release coming out of the FBI, by way of the FBI and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence warning Ratcliffe not to hand over his Russian dis- debunked disinformation debunked by the Senate Intelligence Committee bipartisan. So I feel like they're really trying to do their best to get out in front of this stuff. I want to say that um, without also, you know, being, you know, like you said, being very cautious because of what happened in 2016, not wanting to have any appearance of interfering in the election. But let's talk about these couple of things here. First of all, why this is obviously BS. Let's talk about that uh, those emails and the the metadata when they were and when they were created. Yeah, and and you know, look, the, the, my layman's explanation of what metadata is first for your listeners who are probably far more savvy than I am on this. Look, you're talking about essentially the family tree or the provenance of a particular email and and where it came from and when and and it can be it can be messed with and tampered with, but even that would be fascinating. But what what they're looking at, what investigators are looking at right now is that this this smoking gun email that allegedly shows that uh, that Hunter uh, introduced a uh, Burisma official to his father, Joe. Well, guess what? It was created. That email was created in October of 2019, October 10th, 2019, to be exact. And when was the laptop allegedly dropped off at the computer shop? Well, way back in April, before October 10th, 2019. And so we've got a problem. The dates don't work with this. Um, we've got another problem that's being investigated, not yet completely firmed up and confirmed, but investigators are looking at the fact that that email has a a, a timestamp of Central Europe, a Central European time zone. Um, fascinating for allegedly an email that 
might have been created in the United States. Lastly, <laughs> lastly, again, not yet firmed up, but under inquiry and being pursued is the fact that that hard drive of that laptop, it's a Western digital hard drive, has a serial number on it. And that serial number shows a warranty expiration um, of something like 2022. Well, that product has a three-year warranty. Or the problem is that it looks like the, the hard drive might have been actually manufactured after the laptop was allegedly dropped off at the computer shop. This is a mess. And, and let's not forget, we have a legally blind computer owner who at first said he knew it was Hunter Biden's laptop because he saw a Biden Foundation sticker on it. Then he changed the story and said, no, it was actually Hunter Biden himself that walked in with it. That's how I know it was Hunter Biden's. You know, it, we go on and on and on. And, you know, suddenly he ends up giving this to the FBI because, sure, that's what every computer shop owner does when they can't get a hold of their client. <laughs> yeah, right. And here's some interesting things for you, too, that uh, you might take back to your investigative bodies. Um, Central European time zone includes Vienna, which is where Fertosh is awaiting extradition to the United States. Uh, and Fertosh is the one who funded Giuliani, Parnas, Korea, and Fruman through fraud guarantee. And there was also something interesting you told me about the date of October 10th, 2019. What was that? Yeah, so so again, the it looks like that email in question, based on the, the met metadata of the PDF email in question, it looks like it was created on October 10th, 2019. Now that's significant not only because October comes after April when the laptop allegedly was given to the computer shop, but also what else happened on October 10th, 2019? Two guys named Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman were indicted on that very same day the email appears to have been created. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, didn't, I think, Dowd paid him a visit, Barr was involved, and we also know Giuliani met with Brian Benchkowski, who has since resigned, and Barr was in that meeting about trying to go easy on Fertosh and his extradition, as well as a, another Venezuelan guy, too. There's a lot of pieces, uh, and... Obviously, to, to anyone with eyes and ears, as Comey would say, uh, this is clearly an, 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 a foreign intelligence operation. Yeah, I look, it could be a couple of things. Um, it, I'll, I feel very comfortable saying this. It's BS and, and it's some kind of operation. Now, I have to say, if it's a foreign intelligence service operation, it's really sloppy. It's real sloppy. I mean, really, come on. We can figure out from the metadata that the email was created after the laptop got turned in? Really? You know, I, something's not right with this. But, so could it be a completely, you know, Giuliani, Trump dirty tricks type campaign? Sure. Um, could, it, could it be that Biden, uh, Hunter Biden's emails were hacked and then they were stacked in a, in a laptop and turned in in Delaware. Is it possible the laptop actually even exists? I, I, you know, I don't know whether it's foreign intel or not. I don't know. I feel confident of this second item I'm about to say, which is that the federal government is looking into this. They're not buying it either. And, I, and I, I, there's an investigation to figure out what is going on.
Yeah. Well, the way uh, that uh, Russia interfered in the 2017 elections in France was that they hacked some emails, took some benign emails that meant nothing, legit hacked, Russian hacked benign emails, put them alongside some fabricated emails that looked criminal. And and that was the game. And then it could be as simple as, you know, Occam's razor. Rudy tried this by himself with the help of Fertosh, which is funded by you know, pro, pro-Russian, uh, Russian-backed uh, Ukrainians, uh, but, you know, tried it on his own. We saw Jacob Wool and Berkman do this when they made calls to deterrence voters in, in three major states, uh, three major swing states, which was a kind of their own little super sloppy operation that Cambridge Analytica did in 2016. So it seems like there could just be some right-wing nutjobs running around trying to do their own ops uh, you know, just really sloppily. Yeah. Um, right. You know, as they, you know, as they say, in, when they train medical doctors, sometimes a headache is just a headache. Sometimes a stupid operation in, in a computer shop is Delaware. is just a bunch of knuckleheads trying to, trying to, you know, fabricate something. Um, I want to, yeah, I, I think I, <sighs> this is not going to be the end of, of propaganda. It's going it, to, you're going to see things pulled out of people's pockets and, and other bodily orifices for the next 18 days, I swear. And, and in fact, maybe even beyond, um, beyond the election and, and into the inauguration if the election results are challenged. So hunker down because the propaganda mm-hmm. and disinformation is coming and we've just got to wade through it together. Mm. Well, I'm so glad that the FBI warned us multiple ways and that the I, it, it, a couple of mainstream media links tweeted it out. But for the most part, I think we saw through the bullshit pretty quickly on this one. There's there's one more, I think, important item here, which is let's assume for the sake of argument, although the Biden campaign actually denies that such an introduction alleged in this email, an introduction from by Hunter of his between his father and the Burisma official. Let's assume for the sake of argument that everything on this laptop is accurate, right? There's a there's a, a sex tape of Hunter doing crack and having sex and and there's this introduction email. Thanks for um invite introducing your dad to me the other day. Let's assume it's all true. Suddenly this email has turned into the smoking gun all over Fox News and 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 right-wing uh, uh, media sites, that this is it. This is the proof that uh, Biden's a liar, um, that Biden was involved in the firing of a, of a Ukrainian prosecutor to help Burisma. No, it's, let's say, if, it, if it actually happened, it's proof of one thing, that a dad said, yeah, um, sure, son, you want me to say hello to some dude? Yeah, okay. That that's it. That's not a smoking gun. That's a gun that can't shoot straight. No, <laughs> no. And I would like to say for the record, a smoking gun is technically circumstantial evidence. However, uh, here we are and it's absolutely ridiculous. And and so many times have you and I said, if all of this were actually true, it still doesn't prove anything. So that's just where we are. Bingo. Exactly. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk talk this out with me because I just had so many questions about what and where and why, and, and you really, really helped uh, us and the listeners. So I appreciate that. Everybody, uh, former assistant director at FBI counterintelligence, Frank Fagaluzzi, thanks again. Anytime. Thank you. Everybody, stick around for the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Healthy snacks have a bad reputation. 
And let's be honest, most do not taste good. They do not fill you up, and they certainly don't satisfy your cravings. But this episode is sponsored by Monk Pack, who is cre- they've cracked the code. These are incredible. I eat them every day now. Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars contain less than one gram of sugar. They have two to three grams of net carbs. That's it. And they're only 150 calories. And they're crunchy and sweet and salty, and they fill you up. They're perfect. Uh, I've been trying to eat better. I often get tripped up. I'm grazing during the day. I, must, I love the snacks. Um, but now I have Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars, and they've really helped. Like I said, they fill me up. They, they hit every single craving that you could want, and they have delicious flavors like pecan almond, sea salt dark chocolate, peanut butter dark chocolate. My favorite right now is peanut butter dark chocolate. It's so delicious. Love it. And they're packed with protein. They're filling and satisfying. Perfect for a quick snack. I take them on hikes sometimes. Indulge your sweet tooth. It's amazing. And they are gluten-free, plant-based, non-GMO. No soy, no trans fat, no sugar, alcohols, or artificial flavors. So enjoy Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars while working, running errands. Try it for yourself and you'll see. Special deal for listeners. Get 20% off your first purchase with any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering code DAILYBEANS at checkout. To get started, just go to monkpack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com and select any product. Then enter code DAILYBEANS at checkout to save 20% on your purchase. Monk Pack, good food you can count on. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're blown on good news is on the way. Joining me today for good news. Hello, Dana. I love this segment. The segment I, I get now I four times a week on good news, which makes me happy because holy shit, there's a lot of bad news out there. So to end my days with you like this and all the listeners, this is what I need. Thank you, AG. Mm. Yes. And thank you, listeners, for sending in your good news stories, whether they're personal or political or your confessions or your corrections. You can do that at dailybeanspod.com. And I am 100% with you. I, I get to read, like, you know, before you joined us four days a week, I got to read the good news every day, either with you or with Amy or by myself. So I got it five days a week. I'm so excited for you because it does really make a difference. All right. Well, let's let's kick it off. We've got some good news from Lisa, pronouns she and her. Lisa says, I went to my third women's march today, joined by my 14-year-old daughter and husband. In the spring, when my daughter's school went fully online, she had to complete a project for her history class. She chose to learn about the women's suffrage movement. My little feminist nerd makes me so fucking proud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when we were thinking about our signs for the march today, she was sure she wanted to include something about voting. She looked up the Voting Rights Act and got pretty pissed off about the ways it's been dismantled. We brainstormed and came up with a message for her sign. Thou shall restore the Voting Rights Act, lest thou be haunted by the ghosts of suffragettes. It gets better. The signs and speakers at the march were awesome. Our people. Walking back to the car, I noticed a woman wearing a sash reading Votes for Women, much in the style of the suffragettes. I asked her where she bought it, and she said Etsy. I thanked her and explained that I would order one for my daughters for Halloween. The woman smiled and gifted her a sash. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, my goodness. a sash to my daughter. Best women's march ever. I'm including pictures of my daughter with her sign and the sash. Also, our goofy pups Drizzle, the high-energy two-year-old on the left, and Frankie, the curmudgeonly old man. I love old man dogs, by the way. Oh, my God. Oh, look at this. Votes for women. That's fantastic. These cute dog butts. Oh, my God. And the sign. I love it. I love them. Oh, let's see the dog. Oh, look at the grumpy old man dog. Oh. (laughs) This is so great. We'll include these pictures in the newsletter. Thank you for sending them. 
I love it. All right. The next good news comes from Laura, pronouns she and her. My kids have been keeping a tally of Biden versus Trump signs on our little Cincinnati street. We're currently currently five Biden to two Trump signs. Uh, considering we were the only Clinton sign in 2016, this feels like a major win. On his own accord, my 10-year-old has started booing and hissing whenever he sees a Trump sign. My five-year-old always responds in a voice dripping with the attitude of a judgmental 80s movie valley girl. Ugh, did you see a Donald Trump sign? Donald Trump is mean. Gross. That's the best impression Ew. I can do. Yeah. Gross. Gross. <laughs> it cr- and it cracks me up every time. Thanks for helping me laugh as I live through the darkest timeline. Laura, that's awesome. How awesome. Oh my God, that's so gross. Did you see the Donald Trump sign? Oh my God, did you see the Donald Trump sign? Gag me. Gag me with a spoon. (laughs) That's so great. Ooh, a correction is next. We have a correction. I did something wrong. Dave from Ohio, pronouns he and him. You guys are awesome. So many times I can't emotionally process the news myself. I just needed the swearing and the beans to get through it. So thank you. (laughs) You called the senator from Idaho, Mike Crapo. It's pronounced crepo, like day, and was my grandma's maiden name. It's French, meaning frog. All American crepos are descendants of a little French boy who stowed away on the ship. Uh, I'm very proud of my family heritage. Grandma was a nurse. Her sister, uh, Pearl, was a teacher missionary in Haiti. Glenn Beck mocks foreigners for weird names. Shame on a person for their character, but not how their names would sound. But yes, Senator Mike is full of crap. I used to vote Republican, but I am determined to vote blue until Trumpism dies on the trash heap of history. And you are the type of ladies I want my daughters to look up to. I got it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I called him. I called him crap hole. I think I was mispronouncing it because I read it somewhere. I know now it's crapo and I won't do that anymore. It is hard. It's very hard. But and I'll say this, if we want them to respect how Kamala pronounces her name, even though they're doing it on purpose, uh, we can try and do the same. However, I do think that that little uh, French boy who stowed away on the ship, if they're all descendants of him, I think he was doing a little more than just stowing away on a ship because apparently uh, mm. everyone came from him. All right. Yep. We've got more good news after the correction. More good news. MJ, pronouns she and her. Hello, Beans crew. Found the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic and listening has now become a part of my daily routine. This year has been rough for many reasons. Amen, sister. 2020 started with the end of an eight plus year relationship. Then the whole world shut down as I was moving out of the apartment shared with my former partner. For most of the spring and summer, I was working from home, isolated from friends and family and dealing with the pandemic on top of wrestling with the emotions and feelings around the end of my relationship. But that's not the good news, clearly. Uh, The good news is that I'm eight months removed from my old life in admittedly unhealthy relationship pre-COVID. I've discovered more about myself and friends and family that I didn't even realize I was neglecting. My relationship to my parents has become stronger despite living despite living three states away. And my relationship to my friends has become so strong and supportive that they have truly become like family to me. I've also started taking my mental health and physical health more seriously, coming to terms with depression and anxiety, and finally seeking help with I when I didn't think it was possible to feel quote unquote normal has had a huge impact on my life and my outlook on the world. And Through some stroke of luck, I've moved into a surprisingly progressive neighborhood in my city. 
It started with one neighbor putting up a Black Lives Matter sign in their window at the beginning of the protest for George Floyd. Then another neighbor, my gaber, if you will, put out several Biden-Harris signs. And I learned that the elderly couple across the street refuses to fly the American flag until Trump is out of office. So they fly their ride in for Biden flag with pride. I love it. Now every house on my block has a yard sign showing their support. Thank you, Beans Crew, for being source of not only news, but inspiration and hope in a time when those things are hard to come by. I've included pictures of my pod cats, my pod cats, Mommy, the orangish one, and Peppa, the tortie. Uh, they will be cheering the Dems on in November, likely as I rewatch She-Ra for the umpteenth time instead of anxiously awaiting the election results. Please say hi to Amy for us, and good luck on your LSATs, AG. You got this. Thank you. Oh, look at Peppa. Oh my goodness, this cat is gorgeous. Like I will, don't get oh. mad, Bean Team. I'm, I'm a dog person, not a cat person. But man, these cats are beautimus, beautimus. Look at the face. Oh, and there's a feather on a string. Uh oh. <gasps> mm, so cute. Uh, I just laugh at my cats because the cats will look out the window at the dog. The dog's out there chasing a ball, right? And the cats are looking at the dog like, look at that stupid <laughs> dog. <laughs> oh, my God. And then all of a sudden, they'll be like, ooh, ooh, feather on a string on a stick. Yep. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. Next up from Danny, she and her. Good news. I live in Oregon. We all vote by mail. We get mollycoddled and can track our ballot like we shipped the Hope Diamond on UPS. <laughs> so I voted today. I was so filled with joy. And then I watched my octopus teacher, and I just went away from this world. No Twitter, just the wonderful movie. Ah, it's a good <laughs> news. Awesome. It's a good news. Yep. What's up next? A confession? Yeah, we got a confession. This one's anonymous, but the pronouns are they and them. Sometimes I don't listen to the whole episode. This is a confession, remember. Sometimes I don't listen to the whole episode. Uh, with bouncing between working from home and family, I just end an episode wherever and move on. However, I have managed to get to the end, and I have to say, listening to AG do her baby voice at all the cute pod pet pictures, <laughs> try that five times fast, pod pet pictures, uh, is so adorable. Between that and the calming music to close it out, it's a nice way to end another chaotic news day. Thank you, Allison, for being the cussing female version of Walter Cronkite. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you it. very much. I know. I do get kind of schmoopy over the pod pets. Uh, next up from Julia. This is the last uh, piece of good news we have today from uh, Julia pronouns she and her. I got accepted to two graduate programs, Northeastern University and University of Illinois at Springfield, in public policy and political science, which is my dream, as I would like to go into government service after graduation. I got the news when I was feeling low on Wednesday while watching the dystopian SCOTUS hearings. So majorly cheered up and inspired to complete my education. AG story and service is a big part of what inspired me to work in the government. Oh, nice. That's you. very sweet. And I don't blame her. You're kind of a big deal. You're a badass. I love watching it. I love watching it. Y'all stop. Keep sending your pod pet pictures, though. And I'll, I'll keep going. <laughs> the grumpy old the grumpy old dog man peppa today uh oh, absolutely gorgeous and again we will include unless you tell us not to all of these these pet photos and photos of of young feminist badass women uh holding up their suffragette signs whatever you send us we'll include in the newsletter unless you say not to so newsletter is in your patron feeds on monday so if you want to be a patron 
just go to patreon.com slash dailybeanspod and you can do that. And then it's pretty easy. It's like three bucks a month and you get the Mary Trump episodes, all the books. So ar- good. Like the entire archive of all bonus content. Um, plus uh, ad-free Daily Beans. So fun. But that's it. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Um, yeah. Allison, I'm just happy to be here, new to the team. If you're new to Dana, if you're new to me and you want to follow me on Twitter, you can see why I got blocked by Kirstie Alley about six months ago um, and the president. But um, it would be lovely to have you. My Twitter handle is at DG Comedy. And uh, I'm just super happy to be here four days a week. This is going to be my highlight. I am very, very excited too. And uh, it's been amazing talking to you. I can't wait to do the headlines with you tomorrow as well as the good news. And uh, it's it's just going to be so much fun. And everybody, Ugh. take care and, uh, you know, take think, the, think about the good news. Uh, watch a movie um, and, you know, enjoy the rest of your day. And remember, we've only got 15, 15 days. days. 15, 15 days, days to go. Oh, we're just like four days, four days longer than one Scaramoochie. Like we can mm. do this. We can yes. do this. We almost only have one Scaramoochie left. And, and so dig in and, uh, and it's a relay race. Remember we talked about that with Mary. So if you need to, you know, take a break, we got your back. Tap and out. Tap out. That's right. I'll take your baton. I'll take your baton for you and you can rest. We got you. But everybody until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been AG. And I've been DG. Nems the Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>